another episode of Miserable and Reckless, bringing you unfiltered opinions on sports, music, culture, and all things the South. I'm Logan, sitting with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. And be sure to give us five stars and a great review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out the website, miserable-reckless.com. And while you're at it, you know what? Look in the description of this episode right here. There's a link that says click here to leave us a voicemail. It takes you to speakpipe.com slash cold cans. Click the button, say your piece, click send. We'd love to hear from you. We'll play it on the show. All right. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Ryan, start things off. All right. Um, first thing first, sometimes if you listen to these sequentially, um, if this is the first time you heard us, we're on episode 111. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome. But last week for those... Easy to mistake that for one. There's a lot of ones in there. True, true. It it would also describe how everybody on this podcast feels about their basketball team. Just We just all just hold up number one. <laughs> <laughs> We all think we're the best. <laughs> um, so uh, last week we were talking about Daytona 500. We record this midway through the week. So last weekend was the Daytona 500. It's the first biggest NASCAR race. Um, a guy won named Ricky Stenhouse, which is kind of funny because uh, most people call him Ricky Stenhouse. So the fact that he actually, because uh, he's known for causing wrecks and being aggressive, especially on the big super speedways. So the fact that he won the crown jewel and like the biggest race, um, it's kind of cool for him, um, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. My good of the week is actually someone else, and I brought it up last week. It is Mr. Travis Pastrana, Annapolis' own. Um, they know him from Nitro Circus, everything else. Uh, there was 42 cars that were in the race. Um, guess where Travis Pastrana finished? First of all, he finished. <laughs> about 10 cars didn't. Um, he finished 11th. 11th. Uh, if you get a top 10 in NASCAR, um, you, first of all, you're definitely making the playoffs if you get top 10 every week. Um, he was in the top 25%. Uh, mind you, the guy had a couple practice laps um, in a Toyota that Denny Hamlin, who is well-known at Daytona for winning uh, multiple times over and is very competitive. But basically, uh, Denny Hamlin kind of said, like, the gear shifts here, and uh, I don't know, it's got four tires. And the guy jumped in it and he drove it to 11th place. Now, NASCAR people that know what they're talking about would say, well, okay, well, there's a lot of restarts and stuff like that at the end of the race. And there's a lot of crashes, et cetera. Well, he finished one spot ahead of Kyle Busch. And I believe he finished two spots ahead of Danny Hamlin. <laughs> so I don't know what that tells you, but those guys were in the race. And uh, somehow this guy finished at the end. So uh, 11th place for Travis Pastrana. Uh, congrats to him. Um, I don't know if anyone uh probably if you didn't watch it you won't be so inclined to go look it up but basically the takeaway on this dude all weekend long was that he was the most ecstatic guy there and everybody and i've never seen nascar twitter agree on anything like this in my entire life um including very divisive topics um but uh basically everybody was like he's free to come back whenever because he was so ecstatic and so happy to be there and the joke was like could we get travis another cup of coffee because every time they put a microphone in his face, it was he was rolling through the sponsors and he was like, oh, it's so great. Like my family's here and I love it. And I'd smell the asphalt and everything's wonderful. And like he was just like super joyous about everything. So the fact that even at the end, they asked him, you know, would you think about coming back? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, it's it's humbling for me to be here. as I think what he said, and I'm not quoting. And, uh, you know, like I'm out here with the best racers in the world and it, and it's a, it would be a travesty for me to even think I could race with them. So even that we finished ahead of 30 of them, he's out there trying to be humble and, and 
it was just awesome. It was great to see. It was, uh, it was exciting for him and something different for those of us that have, uh, you know, you need something a little different for uh, Daytona. So that leads kind of to my bad um, because as people get older, they lose their enthusiasm for life. Travis is pretty much the same age as me. As I may have mentioned on this podcast in the past, I live, I live in an old person community. I have recently started to, uh, or shall I say, an older person's community. Uh, anyone can move in here. It just so happens that a lot of the people here are old. Um, I uh, Perhaps that's because I wanted limited space. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, uh, a lot of the people that, oh, sorry, um, there is, uh, I'm trying to get more involved in the community, right? And so one of the ways I can do that is by joining my HOA. Um, so I joined the HOA meetings and, uh, I find it hysterical what old people get mad about. If you would like a real life up-to-date, um, idea of what we were discussing yesterday, uh, people, we had some road work done over the summer. The old people want a white line, um, to use a NASCAR term. We have a, uh, a five wide driveway that leads into our uh, community gate area. And uh, you, you really would be hard pressed to swerve so far over into oncoming traffic that you would hit them head on. But the old people are demanding and would be willing to sue the city actually, if they don't come back out and put the white lines. And I don't mean the yellow line in the middle, the white line on the right-hand side of the road, <laughs> because apparently there's been some trouble keeping their cars on the road. Um, mind you, there's a ditch on either side of the road. So, uh, when your car is in the ditch, you're not on the road anymore, Ethel. Just just a point. You probably don't need the white line. So that was one of the things we were discussing, suing the city of Annapolis. Wonderful idea. <laughs> um, then there was the pickleball lines that were going to be drawn on the court. And that was $1,000. Mind you, we have about 300 households in here. So whatever that breaks down to, went $1,000 to split 300 ways. But um we, we were debating whether or not the pickleball courts were going to be too confusing for the old folks who were uh, already trying to play tennis and all the lines. And now, mind you, those lines would be in different colors, but there's a, there's a lot of painting of lines that's apparently needed. A lot of structure here in Boomerville. And so uh, there was that. And then uh, my final one, and the thousand dollars was a problem, but the two thousand dollars that they wanted to upgrade the sign with 24 karat gold why we need an outdoor sign to have 24 karat gold leaf on it. As the HOA president said, well, it's because we all need something fancy to look at when we come in here. <laughs> <laughs> that pushed right through. That wasn't a problem. $2,000 wasn't a problem for gold leaf on an outdoor sign that's going to get rained on all day and night. <laughs> <laughs> but the lines on the road and the we were going to sue the city over and the thousand dollars for the pickleball was a problem <laughs> now that you're a new hoa member you need to run on the platform of defund the hoa because you're here to make this community great again <laughs> as i told melissa I <laughs> the people that should be running an hoa are the people who won't join an hoa exactly <laughs> 
it's the people who want rules and structure and want to demand whatever. So I've gone on too long about it already. Well, but. well you're you're you've already joined it. Now you're just participating in it. So right. you know, I figured it, your your voice people. is important for ensuring that you don't get you know a gold sign every every ten feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Uh, that leads me to my ugly. Um, Morgan, I don't know if you know who this person is or not, but I found out recently, speaking of people that were not old enough, found out recently that a guy that I worked with, whose daughter I babysat for a while, and I babysat with my girlfriend at the time. Trust me, nobody leaves me alone with their kids. <laughs> and uh, I'm not that responsible. Trust me. Um, and uh, he, uh, he he had a pit bull that was who had a head that was about roughly the size of this desk I'm sitting at and uh, whose name was Chester. And I knew these guys that lived down at Carolina beach and they ran my gym um, that I worked at in college in Wilmington. Um, eventually, you know, he, he had, he had come on some hard times. He lived out in Western North Carolina, moved to Wilmington, had a young family. A lot of stuff went on, um, but his wife ended up leaving him. Um, and, uh, he went through some tough times and his daughter that I babysat is probably now about 18 based on the timeline for this. And she was very young, three at the time. Um, he got remarried, um, was very open. And that's why I'm bringing this up here. was very open about the fact that he, he tried to commit suicide and, and was not, um, successful. And once he tried to commit suicide, um, and wasn't successful, he realized that he had a reason to live. Um, and he literally spent to the point where it almost on Facebook, it, it was almost like you wanted to unfriend him because of the amount of stuff he posted that said this, um, he, he would post that you need to wake up and get your life's worth all the time, all the time. And it meant waking up in the morning and it meant uh, going out in the community. And it meant maybe that's why I'm getting out of the community more. And, uh, but he was, had to have been in his late fifties and was one of the healthiest people I know. One of the baddest ass people I know. He was a scary guy. I, he was my boss and I didn't necessarily want to uh, mess around too much with him. Certainly did not want to meet him in a fight. Um, he held his own with some of the special forces guys uh, for sure in the weight room. And uh, so he passed away of a heart attack on Super Bowl Sunday. And it's been bugging me for the past two weeks because he was so he was so alive and he was so um he was so uh how do i say it he was so full of life and 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 he had a, a, ch a chance to kind of reignite his life after the fact and and he got i don't know i'd say six or seven more years of, of real purpose led life and uh some of that was religion i mean he was real open about jesus and and where he was at with jesus and the two of them were like this after the fact, and I can't necessarily explain all that, but it it still bugs me two weeks later. So I figured I'd bring it up here. It's not an ugly. It's just a, for anyone that's out there listening um, and you think I'm on my soapbox about it and I've gone too long already. Uh, this man literally posted every day, go out and do something that gets your life's worth. And he's one of the few people I can think of that he died early. And I actually feel like he got his life's worth. So think on that if you can and try and do what you can 
because you don't know how long you're going to have. And this man, I guarantee you, was going to live every every last drop once he decided to live. So, oh, Tom yeah. Jones, I miss you, man. All right, <clears throat> Dustin, uh, good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. So, we uh, early on in our ACC basketball preview um, sort of talked about this, but we're coming down to the end of the regular season here. The miserable and reckless gauntlet is about to happen. Uh, over the next th- last three final games of the regular season, my Duke Blue Devils are playing. Virginia Tech, then NC State, then Carolina. Two of those games are at home, which I am very happy about. One of those games is over in Chapel Hill with the fancy cookout. Um, so what I'm what I'm going to throw out here, uh, I haven't even talked to the guys about that, is we're obviously going to have to total up all our records at the end of the year. I'm starting from a not a good spot. We're one and two against uh, the miserable and reckless teams. I think Logan's actually in the best position currently. Um, so, winter, camping weekend, bragging rights, obviously, and I don't know, a six pack of beer is something of your choice. Um, and I intentionally include Carolina over here because I think they're already out. Um, <laughs> no chance of, of having the, the opportunity for bragging rights or the six pack of beer. So that's my proposal and or de- decree uh, for here. We uh, Duke holds the, their fate in their hands. They went out. I get bragging rights. If not, Logan or Morgan are going to end up with bragging rights. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I don't know what that is. That's just a something I came up with earlier today. Um, it'll be fun, though. Next three games, I get to care about uh, whether I beat y'all's teams or not. <laughs> Um, the only other thing I have, uh, is I, I read a CBS sports did a pretty good, um, sort of profile, a current profile on Rick Pitino. And, um, so y'all may have seen, uh, a few months ago, he, the NCAA basically cleared him of like any sort of knowledge of some of the. FBI investigation stuff that went on at Louisville. Um, and it, it, it was an interesting look in a guy who I believe he's 70. He said he wants to coach five to six more years. He said he's, he's loving coaching more than ever. Um, and he says that he values it more now because he knows he's coming to the end than he ever did when he was younger. He also uh, talked about enjoying uh, or loving it because uh, you know now he can be picky. He's he's not in like build my career mode. He's uh, he can be picky about what he wants to do. He's also very open about if an opportunity came available that was a road to a potential Final Four, he would probably take it. Um, Rick Pitino has never been one to not to tell you what he's thinking, and he definitely did on that. Uh, but he said, you know, it would have to be perfect. It would, he's like, there's 25 or 30 states. I'm sure St. Louis would be in here that he would never want to live in. And so those would be automatically out. And then it would have to be a good program that he would have a shot at making one final run. Anyway, it was just an interesting profile on a guy who had like, think what you will of him. One of the best coaches ever coached college basketball. 
Um, he's had a hell of a run, multiple titles, success in multiple places, and at all kinds of levels. Um, but a guy kind of reflecting on his career, um, a guy who's thinking about, you know, have I got it for one more run before I hang it up? And basically he said, like, I'm not in it for the money anymore. I've got money. I just need – I want one more shot, basically, and see what happens. And um, anyway, if you if you check it out, I'm sure you can find it. CBS Sports did it. It's an inter- interesting profile on Rick Pitino. Um, I think it's worth your time if you care about college basketball. It would be interesting to see if someone would land him just for like a five-year period. Apparently, um, you know, Louisville might be open again. (laughs) (laughs) Could be right. Or Kentucky. Or Kentucky. Um, Apparently, apparently he, um, Maryland had like reached out to him. It's been confirmed that they had talked before they hired Willard and before he had been cleared, you know, where no NCAA stuff would be thrown down. Maryland, which would have been a perfect fit for a guy like Rick Pitino, uh, then had reached out. Old College Park and was like, "I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> well, he apparently he has some like unofficial rule that he he rule refused to coach in the Big Ten because his son being fired from the Minnesota job. Um, so that takes all the the milk country schools off the list, um, also except for be- I guess. Because their basketball sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later, but um, but yeah, it was it was super interesting. It, and uh, another fun quote from it was apparently he's buddies with Dick Vitale, and uh, he says that Dick Vitale, when he calls him, he'll t- tells him all the time. He's like, "Do you realize that if you would have just stayed at Kentucky, you would have more wins than Coach K?" And he like just tells him that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all you had to do was just stay at Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> he should, uh, he should just go to uh, Rutgers and uh, run, run over everybody. <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny. I would, I would actually cheer for that to happen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's all college basketball this week. One, miserable and reckless challenge. Let's go. Two, uh, Rick Pitino profile. If you care about college basketball, it was interesting. <laughs> All right, so I'll go next. <clears throat> I have uh honestly, I think I have three goods this week. Um, the first one is uh I think I'm gonna do like a mini solo episode on Country and Cold Cans about this because I don't think the other two guys are gonna be willing to listen to the whole album. But I was very impressed with Chase Rice's new record uh that just came out. I've been listening to it the last two days on repeat. Um, this is by far his best album he's ever put out. It's his most rootsy he's put out. Um, it's definitely leans. It's not like straight up country. So don't go in expecting that. It's, it leans a little roots rock in a lot of ways, but there are some really good songs on there. Uh, definitely check out uh, Bench Seat and watch the music video. The song is from the perspective of the dog. So it, it's interesting when you know that and you listen back to it and then watch the music video. It's a uh, it's it's a very good song, but definitely check that out and be on the lookout uh, if I do that solo mini episode talking about the Chase Rice record. Um, the second good. Should we point out if you're going to do the bench seat thing, you may want to be in a room by yourself. 
<laughs> yeah, if, if you're a dog guy, uh, don't pull it up at work. <laughs> but that's that's a, probably a good fair warning to give to people. <laughs> but uh, all right, second good. NC State got a big win over Wake Forest the other night. Um, that we are now twenty-two and eight, which is our best regular season record at this point in the season since nineteen eighty-eight. We haven't had twenty-two wins in a regular season since the eighties. Well, we're there now, folks, and we've got Clemson at home and Duke on the road to close out the regular season uh, with a real shot at uh, finishing top four and getting a double bye this year. My hot take of the year preseason on tailgate season was if state finishes top four gets a double by they win the ACC tournament that was my hot take of the year so I'm curious to see if I can be proven a profit this year but uh, just saying Houston's number one again it's been 40 years you you realize you're not a profit if you just say it every year right and then it happens we lost 21 games last year I gave up on the basketball team two years ago if you just say it every year, like this could happen, then that that's not a problem. <laughs> He's got Find this the audio. <laughs> He's got this whole forty years in the wilderness. I'm a prophet thing going on. It so. would be the best story in college basketball this year, and there's no doubt in that. And you know what? If it we went forty years back in the wilderness, I'd take it. Wouldn't even think twice. But <clears throat> uh, which you know, at that game, we wore the 1983. Uh, throwback uniforms which are state's best uniforms and it's not even close classic clean look just says state across in red has pack on the front of the shorts on the uh on the leg like best uniforms and that's my other good of the week is dj burn said in the press conference that they asked coach keats if for you know any other chance they get for the rest of the year to play uh either their last home game or in any of the tournaments if they um are the home team if they can wear those the rest of the season because the players really liked them so I'm happy about that. Uh, so that's my, my trifecta of positivity this week with three goods. And that concludes Logan's fashion corner. <laughs> <laughs> They're straight fire, son. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Morgan, good, oh, bad, and the ugly. Close us out. All right. Well, I got mine's all kids related. As you make good, great, and awesome hair. So first off, good. Um, last week or so, Brody's been doing really well, um, temper and attitude wise, and, um, just having a really good old time and behaving and and listening to us a lot better than he has been. And yeah, I picked him up from daycare today and the teacher kind of crossed her fingers, like, you know, not wanting to jinx, but she was like, he had a really good day today. I was like, Oh, really? I was like, yeah. She said, you know, he ate a lot, and when he was still hungry, his friend Rowan was like, I'm, I don't want any more. You can have this, Brody. And Brody looked over and said, thank you, Rowan. I was like, something finally paid off after shoving manners into his, you know, sponge-absorbing brain right now. <laughs> um, it's pretty awesome to see that it's uh, it's paying off, that he's, you know, he's, he's acting, I guess he's uh, – implementing what you know we've been trying to teach them with manners so that's pretty cool and then my great uh crystal last friday well la- early last week crystal started bringing up the idea of moving the kids into the same bedroom and i was ah, I, we could try that i was like um, you know bridget you you usually when we do bedtime bridget you put her in her crib she she's out she rolls over brody is a handful like this might not go well um it's gone great 
So they, you know, you got to calm them both down. The first night, Bridget went right to sleep. Brody kept crawling to the end of the bed and kind of poking his head around the corner and just like, Bridget, Bridget, like trying to <laughs> derouse her up. I was like, good God. Crystal had to keep going back in there because we all know if I went in there and Brody saw me, attachment would happen and getting him to go back to bed would be done. So, so we, uh, you know, I did my kisses good night. I've done that every night now. Like, all right, good night. And because I'll see in the morning and I leave and like Crystal finish off the routine. But um, so far it's been great. And that's, you know, leads me to my awesome is that uh, since Friday, knock on wood, I don't have any in here, big panel wood. But um, <laughs> since Friday, I have not had to stay in Brody's room and wait for him to fall asleep. That is officially over since friday i haven't doing that whole kissing both good night i love you i'll see you in the morning and i leave and it's usually around 8 8 15 when that happens and i'm back in my bedroom relaxing and it's it's actually been quite nice and crystal's like it's i think it's saturday or sunday night she lays in the bed she looks over at it goes huh it's not even 8 30 yeah i know she goes you can thank me and then rolls back over <laughs> like Thank you. Good night. <laughs> so that, is, that is my good, great, and awesome. That's funny, right? That is pretty funny. <laughs> All right, Dustin, throw it over to you for a little college basketball talk. Yeah, if you couldn't tell from uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly and what we're about to dive into, that we're knee-deep in college basketball season, wrapping up the regular season, about to go to the ACC tournament, and then the Big dance. We're here. We're going to spend a few minutes talking about it. This topic came about because I, I watched the game this week and then after Kansas was playing, left the game on for a little while, listening to their awful Big 12 announcers, um, which truly are awful. And um, their color guy, don't even know his name, don't care, but he would, even if I knew it, I wouldn't share it because I wouldn't want you to have to go listen to what he has to say. But he was sitting there going back and forth. Uh, not very interesting. But I happened to catch a little piece before I turned it down so I wouldn't have to listen to him anymore, where he basically was trashing. He's taking time to trash the ACC and say this is just an absolute, just awful, pulled up like the the net ranking as a conference um, algorithm, the computer rankings, pulled up the computer ranking. And showed how, like, uh, according to the computers, the ACC is seventh, uh, I think, on the list of like co- all basketball conferences, all Division One basketball conferences. And then just went on to trash the conference and talk about how good Kansas and some purple team they were playing was uh, with an eyesore so, for a court. Yeah. So <clears throat> that guy just got me thinking kind of got my wheels spinning about like, man, I'm so tired of hearing this narrative. And I kind of had it like what I thought uh, I would say about it. And I was like, you know what? Someone's probably written this. I'm going to look on the internet and see if someone's put some thoughts together. And Lord and behold, somebody had over here, over on Saturday road, there was a, there's a article. The numbers don't lie, but ACC basketball isn't as bad as they want you to believe. Check it out. It's pretty good summation, but we're going to talk about some of the key points here. Um, want to give them some credit because, you know, 
it is kind of a good guideline of what uh, what's going on here. But like I said, ACC, if you look at the net rankings, um, the computer rankings doesn't look very good. Uh, the narrative, uh, just like I said, with this awful color commentator has been all year. Oh, how, how terrible is the ACC, basically, is the question that they use. So I just kind of want to go around, just start from there, and then I want to throw in a few coaches' comments. Um, what do you think of the narrative? Um, and what do you think of, like, this constant use of taking the computer rankings, which, just to remind y'all, and I think I mentioned this to y'all a while back. <laughs> I actually may not have mentioned the stat to you. For the past, I think, decade, it said the ACC has not finished uh, top one or, or maybe two in any of the rankings, any of the, like, overall rankings. So, like, Pomeroy, Net, like, all of them. Yet, have the most... NCAA tournament wins, most Final Fours, most championships, and just overall best end-of-year play. So, I don't know. Looking for thoughts and feedback. I'm not against... See what y'all are thinking. I'm not against computer rankings as a whole. I actually put a lot of stock into Ken Palm. Ken Palm's a very good metric. Um, Usually is pretty predictive. Like I said, six straight years, the preseason... Uh, top five that Kim Palm releases. The national champion has been one of those top five for six straight seasons now. That's enough to be a statistical trend that he actually has some gravitas. The RPI wasn't the worst. The net flat out sucks. The net is a ridiculous system with the quadrants and everything where just to give you an anecdotal piece of why I think that state won 90 to 74 against Wake Forest at home the other night. If they had lost to Wake Forest at home, it would have improved their net ranking and would have improved their quadrant wins because our uh, win over Wake Forest at Winston-Salem earlier in the year would have become a Q1 win. Instead, it's now a Q2 win because we we swept them. So it, incentiv- it incentivizes losing strategically. And then on top of that, if you your conference has uh, early in the year, for whatever reason, you get off, people get off to a good start or whatever, and their net rankings are high for a lot a lot of the conference. It's hard to overcome that sometimes. Whereas the Big Ten's a good example. You have eleven and sixteen Ohio State that's like top forty ish uh, in the net. That's ridiculous. Eleven and sixteen team is not making the field. Shouldn't make the field. And then they all are so high up in the net. They have so many quad one opportunities that people are like, oh look how many quad one wins they have. Yeah, because the the system's rigged. It's it's a flawed system at best. It it's just it's not it's we had better outcomes with the RPI than we had the net. Um, there you can't tell me that it's harder to go on the road to Liberty than it is to go on the road to Wake Forest. Like I'm sorry, in no scenario in college basketball is that true. It's not like Wake Forest is having a, a historically bad year like Louisville. They're a solid team. It's just. The only point that I can kind of poke a slight hole in what you were saying, Dustin, is a lot of the Final Fours National Championships, we know it's really been two teams with the exception of Virginia's one year, and a lot of the wins probably has been by uh, those same three teams. I think what the ACC is missing this year is we don't have a a dominant team that really is is in contention for a one or a two seed. 
I think that's why the narrative has existed. But the net is ridiculous, and the bracketologists pick and choose when they want to apply it. So, Lenardi sucks. ACC has definitely not been consistent this year, that's for sure. Yeah, the I'm sure the win thing is true, but I haven't had time to go back and look at wins overall for the conference over the years. But like last year, as an example, our teams did well as a whole. And that's just a fact. And I'm sure that holds true over many, many years. It certainly can be top heavy, but the net can be top heavy too, because like you said, and Jim Beheim had a similar quote in the article that I sent y'all about basically it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, once you get like off to a bad start or a good start, it just kind of cycles. And it's like, there's no, there's no correcting the computer ranking because how you start basically put you in whatever quad you're in. And then like that just sets you up for the rest of the year. So it's kind of, it's silly and it does, it can't account for, you know, how you play, how you improve, how you're playing right now, which is how you ultimately how you're going to do in your conference tournament, your NCAA tournament. So yeah, there's, there's definitely something to, to that, but I do, you know, I do think, and I imagine maybe, Carolina fan could have something to say about this too. Not having Roy Williams and Coach K walking the sideline and Duke being Duke, Carolina being Carolina, always hurts the conference. Mm -hmm. In perception, from a perception standpoint. So with the perception thing, um, the perception is for the net rankings. You guys have talked about this. NC State is a victim of this this year. Thousand percent. So is Pittsburgh. He mentions it in the article. I'm not coming up with this. If you win in November and you win in December, those are generally non-conference games. If the conference you play in is hard, whether it's the SEC for football or the ACC for basketball, you would be seen as less consistent because anybody could win on any given night. That's how the ACC has consistently been, despite the fact that there are top-heavy teams. So my first point would be there this year there are bottom heavy teams and that there's four anchors at the bottom of the conference that are historically bad. If you're in a league of what 15 teams and you have four of them that are bad and if you look at the average ranking of the conference and I'm not making excuses I'm just saying the way the math works is if 11 teams are reasonable and four are bad most conferences don't have four bad teams. So therefore, the average net rankings and all this other crap that they want to talk to you about with stats, right? If you've already fast forwarded 10 minutes because you didn't know what any of the stats meant, don't worry about it. Use the eye test. That's what we all do here. But, <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm saying is, uh, last this doesn't matter. Here's why. And it doesn't matter last year, and it didn't matter the last couple of years. So this isn't a new narrative. It's definitely a perception. Perception doesn't always have to be reality. All you have to do is look to politics or stereotypes or anything else to find that that's not true. Uh, what's what's the North Carolina motto, state motto, to be, not to seem? That's what the ACC is. Um, last year, we had five teams go to the tournament. We were the fifth worst conference based on that average that I was talking about. Of those five, three of them ended up in the Elite Eight. Two of them ended up in the final four. In case you're keeping track at home and the article points this out, R3 in the Elite Eight was the same number as the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC, and the Big East combined. 
So um, the rankings, that's last year. I get it. But as we said, if you go back in time, whether it's Roy Williams, Coach K, the schools you know, the schools you don't know, the Blue Bloods, whatever you want to call them, those schools for the conference show up every year, right? Almost Carolina has not this year, but they show up almost every year. Virginia's good this year. There have been other schools that have stepped up, like Clemson and Pittsburgh, and everybody's been relative. To Morgan's point, we've all been consistently inconsistent because the conference is actually up for grabs, which to my point means if the SEC is up for grabs every year and we think Bama and fill in the blank, Georgia now are good, and then we know that the rest of the conference is kind of up for grabs, we don't say it's an inconsistent conference. We just say that's why you watch the games on Saturday because it means more. you got to watch the games. We don't do that with the ACC. Instead, we say, oh, as soon as they're down or as soon as, you know, Mike Krzyzewski walks through a door, everybody decides that, like, Virginia Tech or NC State or one of these other schools isn't capable of carrying the conference. Therefore, everybody sucks. And it's 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 a wrong narrative. And quite frankly, part of the reason why we make jokes about the Big Ten and trial of the country and everything else is because those conferences are a joke compared to the consistency that the schools that we have Wake Forest, et cetera, and basketball. I, I'm not going to make that argument for football, but to consistently have the same schools that we have rated out every year and to see how we do in the tournament every single year. And I don't mean last year, every single year. We do consistently better. So whether it's a Coach K thing or whether it's a perception thing or whether it's newfangled rankings that decide to not take into consideration ACC play past December, it is what it is, but like, just because you say something, <laughs> we all know this in America. Just because you say something doesn't mean it's fucking true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I could, I, I need to fact check this, but just from trying to run through the numbers on my head, I think there are more national championships in the triangle than there are in the entire SEC historically. SEC probably. probably Kentucky is the only reason the SEC has national championships. I'm not in Florida two I, years. You know, I'm not not even trying to like poke fun too much there. It's the SEC. I fast forward next year. I'm really not looking forward to the ACC SEC challenge because the SEC sucks in basketball. And uh, Kentucky has for a long time sat on the throne of that conference and been them and everybody else. So you'll have regular season Rick in Tennessee and some other stuff, but you know. It's, but so, somehow they're like have a very similar record to us, but they're like 11th in the country. They've been staying in the top 10, even as high as like number two. They've lost like eight games. We've lost seven. Obviously, you know, strength of schedule is a little different. Nobody's not arguing that, but you're you have eight losses and you're still in a top 10 team. Something doesn't jive with that with me. Yeah. And and so kind of angle you brought up the perception. This is and the article talks about this, but this is something we've all, I think, talked about too. It's a marketing thing, and I want to quote Jeff Capel here, the head coach at Pitt, former Duke coach and player, um, where he talked about, I mean, our own network, so to speak, and this is why you need alternative media, isn't even on our side. And this is his quote: when "We were at Virginia Tech. I'm watching our own network, and one of the first questions that comes up is." Is it the perception or reality that the ACC is down? He said, I would, I never see that on the Big Ten Network. I watch the Big Ten Network a lot because one of my best friend coaches in that league, so I'm watching them. They're 
always, always pumping the Big Ten. So just purely from just a pumping up the perception thing, our network lets us down. Big Ten clearly does a good job of marketing who they are. SEC does a good job of marketing who they are. ACC doesn't. And you're seeing the results here and how the even basketball, which has been the crown jewel conference forever, is getting hurt by that. So just you curious how you feel about that. And can and you know, where's ESPN on the they own the conference from a media rights perspective? Imagine Marty Smith, Marty McGee, or Marty and Tebow on Saturday morning for the SEC being like, I'll tell you who sucks, Mississippi State, that's who. <laughs> <laughs> you would never hear that on the SEC network. Um, the no. Big Ten network, for the record, you said you wanted to fact check Logan. Uh, for as much as they push their conference and their basketball, and I know people don't care about history. I get it. All right. ACC has 10 national championships from 1991 until 2017. We were in the national title game last year as a conference. The Big Ten has three. The last one was 23 years ago. Is so, is that like the metric from the in the '64 team era? Huh? Is it that covers the metric most for, of it? It's you, you said '91, right? The '64 team was what '85, '86, somewhere around yeah. there. I think it's I think um, it's going back to the '64 team because they count '85 for the Big East. That's what, I was just yep. trying to because I know there's a couple more in like historically for the ACC, but that's why I was wondering what the time frame was. '85 is reasonable. That's more or less. Not really, but that's more or less since I've been alive. So that works. If we're really <laughs> that's when time started. If we're really <laughs> going to go back in history <laughs> with our audience and and pound the table about how great we are, but uh, at least we've done it recently. I mean, I can go through and name check them all, but you can also Google them. Hey, look, the Big Ten. I can tell you two were in the '80s, and one was when I was in high school, and I was in high school a very, very long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Is that his only national title in 2000? <laughs> so for whatever it's worth, I, I, hey man, Packers, Packers, good. Kelsey Riggs, she's constantly trying to interview people and, and talk up the conference. I'm not going to hate on everybody on ACC Network, but you ain't wrong. I mean, I remember there was a uh, coach at Virginia Tech who basically, uh, when he was ceremoniously let go, he went to ESPN and promptly used the same color highlighter all the time, and he promptly <laughs> told him that the reason why he was at ESPN and not looking for another job is because what, Morgan? He didn't think he got the respect. He never thought he was going to get the respect for Tech. No. So, I mean, yep. they play him every year. They won the damn. They won the damn league last year. Carolina's in the national title game last year. They're competitive, both teams competitive this year. And apparently the conference sucks. I don't, I don't get the narrative unless it's easy to pick on the billionaire when he loses all his money, right? It's always easy to kick somebody when they're down. That would insinuate that they're constantly up. So if you're kicking us when we're down, I guess we're quote down and it's easy to take somebody down in this country when you, you know, you need the feel good story to make you feel better about yourself. But that would insinuate that we've been up for a while. So I don't know. I, I think it really is a mix of a point, two points you made, uh, Ryan. It's 
you know, <clears throat> the we have four bad teams. And that's that's an anchor on the conference right now. But also like the we don't have the national title, like the quote unquote on paper national title contenders right now either. There's more parity in the league. I think the league as a from one through ten, one through eleven is pretty competitive. Um if you look at strength of schedule for like the top six teams, the teams with the slightly worse schedule are the ones that are slightly above four, five, and six. So it's like they had a because we don't have to do round robin anymore after expansion, they had a slightly easier road to get there. But I think there's been parity in the league. We just are lacking those at the very top, and we've got a couple more at the very bottom compared to usual. Is there something yeah, and this. This, this isn't a, a woe is me thing. Like, I, part of me doesn't really care, right? I don't really because ultimately the NCAA tournament is going to play out the way it plays out, right? And I, I anticipate that our teams will do fine. And will is it likely that an ACC team going as a title this year? I don't think so. I don't think we have that kind of team this year. But it doesn't mean there won't be some teams that make a deep run, and you're not going to win titles every year. But the thing that bothers me, I guess, the reason I guess this is poking at me is the conference just seems to not know how to promote itself. And they, they don't push the media partners to promote us. They're not doing a good job of promoting us. And it's literally a computer algorithms slash perception thing that is like dragging it down. And, it, and obviously it doesn't hurt the Louisville's the worst they've ever been period they've never been this bad um but the top 10 teams in the conference could go play in any conference and do fine and when you got 15 teams in the league so come on i just i guess that's why i like brought the topic up with y'all this week and just really kind of like was bothering me because it's it's not fair to so, so many like Duke's going to make the tournament. What their seeding is, we'll see. They're going to, it depends on how they play out the rest of the year. But like, there's so many, you know, you got teams like Clemson who have had a good year in conference who are bubble teams because of the perception of the conference. So it, now, are they that good? I don't think Clemson's that great of a basketball team. They've been on a slide but, lately, too. And they have been, which is only going to push the narrative and they're going to probably going to end up missing it. But if the perception was different, they would find excuses for them. It's a, so that's really where I where I'm coming. Well, from. I mean, that's the big ten. That's the big ten. They're talking about nine teams getting in from that league, and really Purdue's the only real contender. Other than that, there's some there's a a good amount of solid teams, but it's not an overly impressive conference. Yeah, yeah. Our, our buddy, our buddy <laughs> said that. He told when we were talking about basketball a couple weeks ago, he's like, Purdue's legit, the rest of the league are eight seeds or worse. He's like, That's that's the league this year. And you know, and you got Northwestern sliding in there like knocking on the door to win the conference. That's telling you a little bit of something. God bless Chris Collins. I I hope he's like doing good stuff, but it's you know, come on. <laughs> Northwestern isn't anticipated as someone who should be in second place. No, I mean, Rutgers shouldn't be competitive, but they've been competitive. Right. So. Anyway. You guys saw what I put in the chat. 
<laughs> it's accurate. I put in the chat three words. Iron sharpens iron. If you're going to have like two Navy SEALs wrestle each other in the ring, you know what I mean? Like for practice. Okay, well, it's probably going to be a dog fight and half the time one's going to win and half the time the other one's going to win, right? And that's how it is. doesn't mean those guys are both 500 athletes. They're both ultra competitive dudes, right? Um, at this point, if you're going to have, I don't know, Phil, but we can make the same example. Navy SEAL go up against a high school wrestler. That high school wrestler could be awesome. But uh, it just isn't going to mean shit, right? So we see this happen in football all the time. This is why some of the bowl games are so bad. It's like, well, I hate to break it to you, but they've been playing the big boys and you've been playing in the fun belt. And like, that's not a good matchup, right? So as you pointed out, Dustin, we'll see what happens in, we'll see what happens in March. I'm just, if you want to go back, you can listen to our preview podcast, but like, Look, Morgan's team hasn't exactly shown up this year. My team hasn't exactly shown up this year. But the disrespect—we were ranked number one. I get it. But the disrespect the Hokies were taking—they won the damn league last year. And it's like, I, I mean, I, I just—I get fed up with this kind of stuff. I get fed up with the Clemson hate too. Um, I know they're on a bit of a slide, but they're on. To your point, they're on no bit of more or less of a slide than a nine and seven Michigan State team. Are we hear it about. Are we hearing about how Tom Izzo's lost it? I'm just asking. Right. And see, I haven't complained about it because for the last 40 years, we're having a really good year. So I'm happy with what we're doing. But the media disrespect that we're getting right now, where like we were 26th in the AP this week uh, because we had that three-point loss at Syracuse leading into the Carolina game. But we're 22-7. and seven. We're, I think, 12-6 and six or... We got three games left, 20 game schedule. So what are we, 13 and six? No, I can't do math. Anyways, we're, uh, we're, we only have six conference losses. If you look at our record compared to a lot of these teams that are ranked ahead of us, like we have a better record. I mean, we just do. We've won the games in front of us. We've flirted with, you know, the back end of the top 25 a couple times, but we just are. Everybody, when they talk about, oh, state's going to be in the tournament in the media, but they're like, they're, we expect an early exit. We have good guards. Guards tend to win a, at least a game in the NCAA tournament. I just like, I, I think that it's, it's the narrative is dragging every single team down, even if they're having a, a good year. I mean, we, we're probably going to not have anybody higher than a five seed this year since Virginia lost to BC as badly as they did. And, you know, not to, this is basketball centric, but you can extend this a little bit to football. Every year is the same narrative in football. Um, and this past year, look at bowl season. ACC did was right up there. I think us was it ACC and Big Ten had the best bowl, overall bowl records as a conference. Um, right there together, which is not what anyone would tell you would happen based off of marketing in the world. So it, it's just a frustration. We're, we're probably just complaining, but I, I just feel like there should be something, you know, people within the conference who actually get paid to this, not people, four guys who sit around and talk about it on their free time to be able to make those defenses and make those and be an advocate for the conference, as opposed to just sit back and let this stuff happen. Cause that's what they're doing. And that's the shit of it all. You uh, 
Logan, your record is basically the same as Northwestern's. And we gave Northwestern praise for almost winning the conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just looked it up. <laughs> I actually have one more loss conference in conference than you guys did. <laughs> Our only non-conference loss this year was a six-point loss to Kansas. We were we were like 14 and one in non-con this year. I no. We're ever going to talk about Kansas losses. We lost by five, so we have to affect it. <laughs> if we haven't already lost America, we're definitely going to lose America if we start talking about the ACC's record versus Kansas in your guard play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No. I, I'm not sure there's a whole lot else to say on that unless y'all have got any closing words, but it's... It's just a, you know, hey, we this is something we needed to complain about and we need to point out. Alternative media, it's our job uh, to show, like, the absurdity of what's going on in, in mainstream sports media. And it's absurd that people think that the ACC <sighs> is awful. I'll see America in the Elite Eight. <laughs> 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 All right, Ryan, throw it over to you for a brand new segment. First time debuting here on Miserable and Reckless. All right. Have we, first things first, have we ever had a voicemail? Ever? Logan? Uh, we had one, but it wasn't for this show. Okay. And it was my niece. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, if someone called and left a random voicemail on our website, like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, we've had multiple segments in the past like bless your heart kids corner song of the month florida of the field i'd say that one's lasted pretty consistently um although we haven't done it recently so we got a new one i would encourage people if you think it sucks or if you think it's good leave a voicemail because we generally don't know and we did a minor league baseball thing and we all thought it sucked and I've basically heard nothing since then except for, can you guys do the minor league baseball thing again? And all four of us thought it sucked. So whatever. <laughs> if you like it, great. If you don't, let us know. But all right, so here's the deal. Occasionally, maybe I have too much. I don't have any kids. All right, so maybe I have too much time on my hand. But I come across something, and I have an Amazon account, just like, unfortunately, a lot of other people, right? And uh, they make entirely too much money. And people apparently, from what I've learned, have too much time on their hands. Because if I come across a product, what I tend to do, for whatever it's worth, is scroll down on Amazon and I look at the reviews. And some of the reviews are absolutely hysterical because either people get way too detailed, right? And I don't mean detailed in the good, helpful way, like this product is wonderful and it does exactly this, this, and this. But to get to the reviews, you do have to scroll by, and I'm not sure how you guys feel about this, but have you guys ever spent some time in the questions, the Amazon questions, or do you just go straight to the reviews? Because I feel like most people go straight to the reviews. I try to go I'm to the reviews. I'm the questions. I'm familiar with the questions, yes. Okay. Um, here's... So this is, I guess we'll call this like the Amazon product. It, I, I, we're not giving them any extra credit, but because of the way that they're, uh, even if they wanted to sponsor us, I think we would say no, but uh, <laughs> just on principle. But uh, so what is the product would be the first thing, right? How did you find out about it? And then what are the questions asked uh, 
that are always, I always find these humorous questions. And it's one of those things where I want to send it to the guys. And then I'm like, you know, they have a life. Like they probably don't care about this wormhole or this rabbit hole that I've gone down. So earlier this week, I was reading a book about the app trail. If you walk the app trail, you put everything in your backpack. You obviously want to have the lightest backpack possible. So a guy decides he's going to break down everything that's in his backpack. For some reason, I guess there's not a lot to do, you know, once you get to camp. You got your fire going, you boiled your water, et cetera. I guess this guy likes to journal. Well, for some reason, he packed, and I had no clue this was a thing. And I have no clue lots of things are things. I texted the guys earlier this week about something called the Stanley Cup. It's not the hockey thing. It's something else that apparently went viral. Had no clue that it was a big deal. And within 30 seconds, uh, one of our buddies had texted back that he, in fact, had one. <laughs> so <laughs> I am... I'm not saying that this isn't a good thing or a bad thing or whatever. There's just a lot of stuff that apparently uh, I personally don't know about. And I thought to myself, now what in the hell in this guy's backpack list, what in the hell is a space pen? So naturally I clicked on the link. <laughs> Reminds me of Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. It's a Seinfeld thing. So there was Jerry went down to visit his parents in Florida at the retirement community. And Jerry was like talking about how uh, he was writing a check and uh, his dad's friend, like the pen wrote so good. So he he said, Oh, this is one of those space pens. You can write upside down. He was like, here, take it, take it. He's like, Oh, all right. (laughs) So this is, Oh man, I hope this isn't a bit already on side. So this is, I was like, what the hell is a space pen? So I went, I clicked on the link because the way these guys make money off their blogs and stuff is they hope you click on the link and then you buy the thing, right? And they get the commission or whatever. So um, I was fascinated one morning and I was like, this is crazy. So you're exactly, this is exactly the same thing from Seinfeld. Writes in extreme, these are the things about this space. If you type in NASA space pen on Google, this or on uh, Amazon, this will come up. Writes at extreme temperatures from negative 30 to 250 degrees Fahrenheit, which I don't know how they tested it on the surface of the sun. (laughs) Uh, Writes underwater and over wet surfaces. Uh, Again, if you're a Navy SEAL, probably useful, but for the rest of us, no. Um, Maybe a marine biologist. Uh, Writes at any angle, even upside down. It's uh, hand tested, blah, 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 all this crap. It apparently, the classic design of the Fisher bullet pen which is the space pen, has been exhibited for years in the New York Museum of Modern Art. I, okay. This is in the Amazon bullets. Um, the first question. So I'm trying to learn more about this, trying to read the reviews. The first question that you can find on Amazon, I checked tonight. It is still there. It is the first question. It was asked anonymously. I think I know why. Is, can I microwave it? these are why the amazon questions are worth your time i don't i you say uh, you know what i i i did not what is this is a southern podcast what does this have to do with anything nothing and neither do any of the florida the field stories but they're freaking awesome all right (laughs) well Seinfeld was literally a show about nothing so (laughs) here are the answers to can i microwave it the first answer is I prefer to bake it. Microwaving tends to toughen the edges and make the insides rubbery. (laughs) The second answer is microwaves are for lazy people. If you really want to cook your pen, I suggest a sous vide. It makes the pen more tender. (laughs) 
Of course you can microwave it. However, you can't touch the pen afterwards for 15 minutes due to the radioactivity. Oh my. It says the pen, yes, the pen will survive. Your microwave probably will not. Um, can you microwave it? Sure, it will ruin your microwave. The real question is, should you make microwave it? And I think you know the answer to that. Now that came from a gentleman named Thomas Doefinger, who apparently doesn't get the joke here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, finally, someone named Charles Darwin helpfully pointed out, <laughs> absolutely, but at 50% power for no more than five minutes. Pair it with some fruit and you're in for a nice evening. <laughs> <laughs> so the effort to, to answer that question with the user and the Amazon username, Charles Darwin is awesome. Um, so I appreciate the level of, of pettiness that that person went to. Uh, there are other questions uh, on the same page. I'm out in space often and I get bored. So I, and uh, so I like to change the colors. Can I change the colors from black? The actual seller of the pen answered that there are many different color refills you can get. My goodness. <laughs> They answered that directly. Um, and then my last uh, question. Just saw that this is listed as a men's pen. Uh, will it still write if a woman is using it? This is asked by Greg on January 10th, 2023. Oh we have God. two answers since January 10th, which is roughly, you know, what, a month and a half ago. Uh, the first answer is, nope, it won't work. <laughs> If you're a woman, apparently. And then the second answer is a real biological woman could use this pen with no problem. <laughs> Finally, if you go scroll further and you have uh, just enjoying yourself and you have no time uh, to, you know, just just you can spend it however you want. A gentleman named Jim, J-I-M, Shorts, which I'm pretty sure is his name. Jim Shorts. Uh, has, <laughs> reviewed, has reviewed this uh, pen. And I must say that this gentleman, uh, he gets it. And I would like to have Jim Shorts on the Miserable and Reckless podcast because he has given it one star as a verified purchaser. And he uh, has reviewed this as a little black turd. <laughs> <laughs> He starts his review with, this pen sucks. I can't believe anyone would think this is a good pen. Sure, it writes upside down. I think most pens do. However, the ink smears after writing a few lines, and I'm much better off with a Bic. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate Mr. Jim Shorts and his review of the pen. Uh, it's $30 if you want to go on to uh, Amazon and buy yourself a sweet little bullet pen. Um, I'll save you the trouble, but most of the people that reviewed it said that uh, it slips out of your pocket. And there was more than one picture of uh, the pen that they found in the yard three years later while they were mowing the lawn or something. Because who mows the yard with a pen in their pocket? I don't know. But yeah, I guess if you're going to get it, uh, maybe get a pen that has a clip. But there you go. That's our advice for the week. Get a pen that has a clip. <laughs> or display it. Get a little case and put it in there. There was more than a few reviews that basically said, I don't go to space, but this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
So that's our first <laughs> product review. I saw the questions. It's not the first one I've seen like this. Next time you're on Amazon and you think you're buying something just dumber than or or just just as mundane as possible, go look at the questions that may give you a laugh. <laughs> Be sure to uh look in the description of this episode. Click the link where it says click here to leave us a voicemail. Let us let us know what you think about the the NASA space pen. <laughs> or ask us a question like Amazon. Yeah. Or ask us a question. We'll be sure to answer it. Make sure you're a verified listener. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, be sure to give us five stars and a great review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and check out the website miserable-reckless.com for block content and merch. And like we said, leave us a voicemail. I'd love to hear from you. And uh we'll answer it here on the podcast. For this episode of Ms. Bro and Reckless, I'm Logan, sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, Ryan. See you next time.